Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Cheryl Selman, and welcome to The Love Code. Thank you for joining me for another inspiring and, I trust, uplifting conversation, as they all are every week. I have such wonderful guests, and they share inspiration and um, possibilities for change and for healing, because that's really what The Love Code is all about. It's all about an opportunity to be reminded to, to allow us to connect again to that place where we have access to a field of infinite possibilities, as I like to say, where we can find the resolution to health challenges, to relationship challenges, to connect to a, a place where we are really truly accessing the true potential that we have to create our lives and to connect with the source of who we really are. So um, I think we're just going to jump into our conversation today. We have lots to talk about. I have as my guest um, Midge Murphy, and uh, we're going to be talking about how how to practice energy healing and integrity uh, with, um, with my guest Midge. And a little bit about her, as an energy healing practitioner and the first attorney to receive her PhD in energy medicine from Holos University, Mitch has a deep understanding of both the law and alternative healing arts. This allows her to lend her expertise as a bridge between the two worlds. For over 15 years, Mitch has been providing consulting services to many clients in ethics, legal issues, and risk management strategies in the practice of and training in energy healing methods. Mitch also has an energy healing practice for animals and humans. She was first trained in therapeutic touch as a hospice volunteer in 1996 and is a founding member of the Northwest Therapeutic Touch Institute. In 2007, Mitch was initiated as a Reiki master and in 2010 became a certified matrix energetics practitioner. She has been a student of shamanism for over 20 years and also uses shamanic practices in her energy healing work. Midge was a professor at Energy Medicine University from 2006 to 2015 and provided services as dean of students in 2012 until 2014. And she is the author of Practice Energy Healing and Integrity, the Joy of Offering Your Gifts Legally and Ethically. So it's my great pleasure to welcome Dr. Midge Murphy. <laughs> uh, Midge, it's so nice having you on the show today. Thank you, Cheryl, for that introduction, and also thank you for having me. It's an honor, and I look forward to our conversation. Well, you know, as we said briefly before we began our interview, you've had a, a very varied life, <laughs> um, many many directions. You know, I always like to ask my guest, Mitch, because I find it so fascinating to hear about a person's journey that got them into the the the, the area of service that they are now living their life with. So, um, so I'd love to hear how uh, how this journey of healing all began for you because uh, we didn't say this in the bio, but I did notice that you were a lawyer working for Disney Studios for a while as well early on. Yes, that's correct. Yes. Well, that's, that's another um, yeah, my background is, is, an, is an, I was, I'm an attorney in California, no longer practice law, 
but I practiced entertainment law for many years. And <clears throat> I think the thing that really shifted for me was when I moved to Eugene, Oregon in uh, 1990 and uh, had an adventure travel company with my then husband. We traveled all over the world, leading treks and mountain climbing. And what happened for me was when I became a hospice volunteer, I was given the opportunity to learn therapeutic touch, which I didn't know anything about. I didn't know really anything about energy. But that experience of going through that training just kind of ignited inside of me what I, what I didn't know anymore in terms of that I really have a gift for feeling and, and hearing and feeling energy. And so that kind of took me down a path to start to explore that a little bit more. And then I had the opportunity to meet Carolyn Mace and Norm Sheely, and through their program at Holos University, then I was able to obtain my Ph.D. in energy medicine. And to be honest with you, Cheryl, I didn't know what I was going to do with it. I thought, this is kind of a strange combination. But I think what happened was the opportunities arose, synchronicities happened, and I found my path to be of service into really helping the field of energy healing to start to really consider the ethical and legal issues and to start to bring the whole field more into a more professional framework for offering their services to the public. And so I, I really truly am a bridge because I, I am an energy healing practitioner I under, and I understand that world, but I also understand the world of, you know, the legal issues, regulatory issues, business, and it is a business. You know, you're offering healthcare services to the public, but if you're a practitioner, it is a business and there are certain things that need to be put into place to have a professional practice. Well, I, I think that's a really interesting topic, which I want I want us to get into, obviously, because that's what your work and your book is about. But before we go there, can we just um, talk a little bit more about when you discovered these gifts? What, what what were the gifts that you didn't really appreciate that you had that opened up this other other dimension, this this other world for you, this other this other. I guess real um, line of uh, true true healing gifts into the world. Well, I think part of it was that I had space finally because I was a hard charging, successful entertainment lawyer in Los Angeles, and that was my focus. And when I sort of had become very successful, I still felt slightly empty inside. And I don't know if you remember that Peggy Lee song, "Is This All There Is." And that's the song that came into my head, and it started me to just look some, to other places in my life that I might want to explore and expand upon. And I think traveling and into the high mountains of, of the Himalayas um, throughout Asia and that kind of experience really opened me up to other kinds of worlds and other kinds of energy. So that was, a, that was part of the catalyst. And I think, um, you know, it's just a sense of, being in a place of surrender and openness to what is going to show up um, and where is your path of service and asking and you know asking about that and asking for guidance about that so I think um, and you know and just having success being an energy healing practitioner and being able to feel the energies and, and seeing that people had you know good results from from the work that we did together so but I really don't do a lot of energy healing right now at all because I'm really focused on my book and the exam based on the book and educating and, you know, training the field about the, the really crucial issues that we face 
as we move forward into the more mainstream healthcare or integrative healthcare, hopefully in, in the future, so that people have access to these energy healing modalities. So let's jump into that topic because it's obviously your passion right now. What what is it that people need to know who are practicing um, or have a practice uh, with integrative medicine or energy medicine? There's so many, so many modalities out there now. People are, mm-hmm. you know, creating their own brand of healing. Uh, I saw the list of the people you've helped. It's a long list, many of whom I had on my podcast, but, you know, it just goes on and on, right? It's, the, poss- the possibilities of how people are creating their own unique uh, way to channel their gifts for healing. So, mm-hmm. so what do you see as the problem, and what got you interested in this in the first place, in terms well, of healing arts, yeah. people practices in healing arts? Well, I think it's all about, for me, it's about empowering and educating. And I think what's happened is that there's not been a resource except for me, and there's some books out there as well, to really start to educate the field about the fact that we all have to operate in the current regulatory framework that governs people who offer healthcare services to the public. And we've kind of been out on this fringe area for, for many years, but now we're being more into the mainstream. And I think it's important that, in my experience in working with this area for over 15 years, is that most energy healing practitioners have very good intentions. They want to help people. Um, and But what I've found is that that's not enough. You really need to be trained in the ethical issues that are relevant and present when you're working with someone in a therapeutic relationship, and especially when you're working with someone's energy field. And and there's been a lot of, unfortunately, a lot of people who have been harmed by energy healing practitioners who inadvertently, not knowing any better, have caused harm because they're not aware of the ethical principles and ethical vulnerabilities that exist when you when you offer energy healing services to the public. So that, that's one piece, is that they need to know that it is a business and they are, you know, ethical violations can lead to legal liability. And so the other piece is that we still all have to operate and understand the laws and regulations that apply to us as unlicensed energy healing practitioners. And right now, currently, there's been a, quite a push. There are several states that are moving forward and wanting to license energy healing practitioners. And this comes from the 10th Amendment to the United States Constitution, which allows states to protect the safety and welfare of their citizens by passing you know, licensing laws. For instance, of course, all MDs are licensed, nurses, psychotherapists, all are all subject to licensure. And right now, with respect to energy healing practitioners, the they're completely unregulated, unlicensed, except there are a few states that require energy healing practitioners to be licensed massage therapists if they do any kind of hands-on healing work, such as quantum touch, Eden energy medicine, um, healing touch, therapeutic touch. There's a number of different modalities that, that do include touch as part of the protocols. So there's a lot going on and I think what's also I've found that, that most energy healing practitioners don't understand the legal liabilities they face by just hanging out a shingle. 
and offering their services because if you say you're a healer, the risk is you will be charged with practicing medicine without a license. So the risks are real and licensing boards do go after practitioners for violating usually either a medical practice act or a psychotherapy practice act. So I'm all about let's be empowered, let's reduce our risks, let's be knowledgeable about what it is we can do legally and what is our legal defined scope of practice so that we stay in our lanes and don't get into trouble and still be in service to our clients. So can we, um, as we have this conversation, can you share some examples where people have gotten into trouble who were doing healing, good intentions? What happened? What, what brought this to your attention? Well, because it's, there's a lot of case law. <laughs> This happens all the time. So now what happens is that let's say you have a website and you say you do energy healing and as a result of your energy healing, uh, pain goes away or your insomnia goes away. Oh, I mean, I mean, has there been a specific situation that you are aware of or someone? Oh, yeah, many. Me? Yes, many. Yes. There's That's actually a, there's a, case, there's a case law in New York. Uh, it's in the early 1900s. I mentioned in my book is that there was someone who was a gentleman who was doing hands-on healing and he was charged with practicing medicine without a license. Now, it's a crime. Now, what happens today is normally what happens is if you are doing something in violation of a licensing statute, you will be notified by the board and sometimes it includes just we want to make you in compliance with the law. You need to cease and desist certain activities that are in violation of the law. Some states, California, the psychology board sometimes will assess a fine with any violations of the Psychology Practice Act in California. Um, but the bottom line is if you're not in compliance and if the perception is that you're practicing medicine or psychotherapy without a license and you don't come into compliance with the laws and regulations applicable to you, then that particular licensing board will shut your practice down. It's very rare. There's kind of a myth out there. There's some misinformation that, you know, oh, they're out, to, you know, the, the boards are out to get you, the government's out to get you, they're going to throw you in jail. That's not, that's not the case. Um, but they will send you a letter. Sometimes you'll be fined, and you just have to come into compliance, or then you, or you will not be able to practice. So um, what is... You know, what is defined as an energy healer? Uh, you know, who is who should pay attention to what we're talking about here? Every single energy healing practitioner in the country. And training organizations that train them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so someone who's 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 announcing that work that they're working with specific healing energy techniques, modalities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, anybody, and most all, you know, as an energy healing practitioner, um, you know, a lot of this work can be done remotely. You don't have to have a person in front of you. And so, you know, most people are at, have websites, and most of them are in violation of licensing laws in the states and also the Federal Trade Commission rules and regulations regarding how you advertise your services to the public. So these risks are real, and it's not about getting afraid or fearful. It's about becoming knowledgeable and being curious about, okay, so this is the reality of having an energy healing practice. I, I am offering a, a service to the public that's healthcare in nature, and so I need to make sure that what I'm doing 
is legally sound and ethical, and that's really how you're in the highest service to your clients, if you can get to that position of really having a professional practice. So do you see that there is the intention by powers that be to, um, um, I don't I don't, I, I don't know how to say this other than go after people who are practicing various healing modalities, you know, like the emotion code. I, I've known, mm-hmm. you know, I know you you work with uh, Robbie Nelson on that. I mean, mm-hmm. are they are, are they targeting? Are they looking at these, yes. these people? Yes. Is it becoming such a big industry or maybe perceived as a big threat it's, to some powers? No, it's not. A, the threat is to the public health and well-being. That's the perception because of, you know, these are not, you can just hang, you can say you're an energy healing practitioner, never had any training. You can hang out a shingle. Um, the, F, the Federal Trade Commission is, has a special task force where they specifically look at websites that are talking about products or services that are considered um, not traditional methods, and, and they will definitely send out, Warning letters, cease and desist letters, um, and sort of, and so do uh, state licensing boards. I mean, I'll give you an example. There was a gentleman, I think he's, he was in Alabama, and he, um, he, he wasn't even an energy healing practitioner. He um, had type 2 diabetes, and, and Western medicine was not helping him. So he started formulating some nutrition and did some diet stuff. I think he was really into more of a paleo orientation to nutrition. And of course, he, he did get improvement with his, with his diabetes. Well, then he started to have a website and see clients and offer services. And the, the, the South Carolina Board of Nutrition sent him a cease and desist letter because he was practicing nutrition without a license. So this mm-hmm. is the real. And the fact is, what you have to remember as an energy healing practitioner, if you're working across state lines is that you're not only subject to the laws and regulations of the state in which you actually have your practice, but you are subject to the laws and regulations where your client resides as well. So that's why risk management is so important to make sure that you are reducing the risks that are inherent in offering your services to the public. You know, energy healing practitioners are pioneers, um, but it needs to be done in a way that hopefully can bring the whole field into a level of professionalism and ex- more acceptance into the mainstream healthcare. And some people don't care about that at all. They just want to do their, their energy healing. But there's certainly a lot of the major, I would call, stakeholders in the field of energy healing and a lot of schools and training organizations that are really noticing that it's better if we try to self-regulate ourselves rather than have all these states all of a sudden saying, okay, if you want to practice in our state, you have to be licensed to do so. Well, there, there's certainly such an interest in all these techniques, <clears throat> you know, whether it's tapping. <clears throat> I know you've been working with them, whether it's, you know, the, the motion code people, whether it's any, you know, you have a lot of clients that mm-hmm. are getting international attention in terms of, their success of teaching all over the world. So there are more and more people who are getting trained in these tools, right? You know, some mm-hmm. just will do, that, do it for themselves. Some may add it to their practice. Some may make it their focus. So 
I guess it's you know it's it's an interesting conversation, Mitch. You know, I've I've been a I've, I've trained as a traditional naturopath, and in the state that uh, I lived in, there was a huge battle going on between the naturopathic physicians wanting to own who could be a naturopath in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that was a big fight going on because there was a power grab. You know, maybe they had their own ethical reasons and their own professional reasons, but um, they're not the only player on the block. And so, there, you know, there was there was this battle going on back and forth in the state capitol, whether they had the right to do that. In the end, um, Oklahoma remains unlicensed. Now, as a as a naturopathic practitioner trained in traditional approaches and many others, I I didn't want to be licensed by uh, the the um, you know um, naturopathic practitioner world. Mm-hmm. So I you know it's an interesting conversation, right? It's not that, but you know it's kind of a little off track because we're talking about now the awareness that and, and in the work you're doing in your book that anyone who is practicing, it's not just to be worried that some professional board is going to come after you it's compliant with the laws of the state and the federal government yeah and it's even for me it's even more than that that's one piece but it's also about educating practitioner practitioners about the ethical and legal issues in having a therapeutic practice and offering your services so that's what the book is all about it's a resource it, it covers a lot of different territory, including marketing websites, but what are the issues around ethical vulnerabilities that you may not be aware of? What are the legal issues you may need to be aware of? So it's about educating and empowering people so that they have more knowledge and understanding, and that makes them a better practitioner, and it makes them more... Um, they look better to the public if they've been had this training. I mean, you have to step back and think about, you know, every single healthcare practitioner who is licensed must be trained in ethics and legal issues, and they must continue that training through their continuing education program to be remain licensed. So this is such a critical component of being a professional practitioner with integrity. And so it's not about, well, this is to get, not to keep you in trouble, but this is, hey, this is to educate you and empower you to be a better practitioner. So that's really the focus. And then, yes, you have to be aware that there are vulnerabilities, there are potential pitfalls, there are legal issues you need to be aware of, especially around marketing your website and using client testimonials. And so here's some information for you to have so that you can, you know, continue to educate yourself and, and raise up your level of, of education around these issues. It just makes you a better practitioner and someone who can be in better service to the clients that come and see you. So what do people need to know about putting testimonials on their website? Well, that's a, that's a big, big topic. <laughs> but what I think what I would say is that client testimonials, and I talk about this in my book as well, first of all, they must be true. <laughs> and secondly, a lot of people say think they can put whatever their client says on a, on a website. And here's here's the distinction. Once a client testimonial becomes part of your website, it's considered advertising. And so there is no first amendment right for the the client testimony to say whatever they want about what they received or what they experienced. 
So, and the FTC is very, very clear about this, that testimonials become a kind of claim. And there are express claims and implied claims based on the words and the nuances and what the testimonial says. And under FTC rules regulations, any kind of testimonial or claim about anything must be supported by competent and scientific proof. And that means double-blind, sleeple-controlled, human clinical, clinical trials. And so right now, there is not a single energy healing modality that meets the standards to be called evidence-based, that meets the approval of what the FTC would say is okay to say. So that's another area. And the science is getting better, that's for sure. And what I love about EFT, now that it's been around for, well, gosh, maybe 25, close to 30 years maybe, is there is some really good solid evidence about the safety and efficacy of tapping or EFT that's been published in peer-reviewed journals. And that's a big step forward for those who do tapping in terms of, um, you know, how they want to describe what they do. But if you're not licensed, basically tapping is really good for stress relief, calming the mind, limiting beliefs, um, making people feel more secure in who they are. But as soon as you step over and talk about any kind of psychological disorder, such as depression, PTSD, anxiety, phobias, those are all DSM-5 psychological disorders. And only licensed mental health care professionals can work with clients with psychological disorders. There are a few exceptions, but they're rare. So I think it's important, and this is all explained in the book, this is kind of the territory you can go in. This is what your scope of practice is if you're not licensed. This is what you need to be aware of to make sure you're not getting yourself into trouble. So it's just about educating yourself and then putting into place risk management strategies that can really help lower the risk that you have from a legal standpoint in offering your services to the public. So it sounds like when um, someone is practicing modality, <clears throat> you have to be um, generic in your terms, just like companies selling any um, nutritional products have to be totally generic in what they say. They can't mention any conditions. They can't mention any, you know, specific, um, you know, mental state. And you can't, you can't say anything. You know, it helps you to relax and helps you. <laughs> well, it just depends. You know, the nuances of the words. I mean, I audit tons of websites and. And so it's just, it's really a play on the words to, to make sure that you're not using a word that would put a red flag over your head. It's not necessarily generic. I would not describe it as, as that. A couple of just really good, you know, free advice is if you are an unlicensed practitioner, you never have patients. You only have clients. Because if you have a patient, the, the perception is you're offering licensed healthcare services. Same with the word treatment. You never offer treatments. You don't do treatments. You just offer sessions. So there's, and those, you know, all that's in the book. So in terms of just yes. educating yourself around what are the nuances of the words and what are the words I need to stay away from. Um, and, for instance, um, if you're not a licensed psychotherapist, then you don't call yourself a therapist because the perception is you're, you're a licensed healthcare professional. And if you're not a licensed mental health care professional, you never use the word psychotherapist because that's, yeah. that's in violation of the laws and regulations around the use of titles. Um, and most states, in fact, I can't think of a state that I haven't researched, the Psychology Practice Act, which d does not prohibit you 
from using those terms because it's misleading. Their perception is it's misleading to the public and that people will think you're some kind of a licensed therapist when, in fact, you are not. So it's just about using being really accurate, really clean, upfront about your credentials. In terms of with me, because I have a Ph.D. in energy medicine, I don't call myself doctor, and when I put my Ph.D., I always say energy medicine. So it's very clear, you know, what my, my area of expertise is, and, and that's my way of making sure that my credentials are really clean and accurate in terms of how my how I'm presenting myself to the public. Well, I think this is really great advice. I, I think so many people take a course or get involved in uh, a, a holistic healing approach. And as we said, there are many, many, and more more unfolding yeah. every day. <laughs> right. Yes. Uh, you know, to have to have the the guidelines of how to present yourself, how to present yourself to the public through um, through a website or, you know, I guess in any way you get out there on social media, which uh, I would imagine some programs offer that guidance to their students and some no. programs don't. <laughs> no? Not unless, no, not unless they, they <laughs> use me. I do have uh, affiliate program and I do have a, a number of training organizations that have included my book and the exam based on the book as part of their core curriculum for their ethics and legal training for their certification program. And it's a win-win for everyone because the training organization earns a commission on each exam sold. The trainee, the mentee, the student gets the training that they need in order to have this background. They get a professional credential. They get a certificate of completion. And so for those training organizations that use my book and exam, they are, they are including this critical component into their certification program. And that's another reason why I'm kind of wanting to get more information out to the public and to these training organizations that this exists, it's there, you can easily plug it into your organization, you don't have to do anything, I grade the exams, I administer the program, and, and then at the same time, you're reducing your risk as an organization because you can get sued by the actions of your students. If they misbehave, they're gonna, the client will sue not only the, the, the practitioner, but they most likely will go after the training organization as well. So it really behooves the training organization to make sure that the people they're certifying, because they're like ambassadors of this modality now out into the public, to have this training. It's critical for the training organization but it, and also for the, the actual student who wants to become certified and add this modality to their sort of tool bill as they move out and offer that particular modality to the public. And I can uh, really appreciate your passion on this subject, which is what I, you know, hear from you, Midge, that, you mm -hmm. know, this, because you have been involved in the, um, in the legal profession, you see what goes on, you know how that system works, and you have been involved with uh, various healing modalities and you know the, the, the dedication and the growing interest but um, that ability for people to have the, the knowledge how to navigate this work this healing work as a practice is something that I, I think is you know not well understood or known, which is obviously why you are doing your work and wrote your book about it. So mm -hmm. anyone who's out there, 
practicing a modality and, and presenting themselves as a practitioner would really it, it, it behoove them to listen to what you're saying. Yeah, and I, yes, but the book is there as a resource, and also what I did was create an exam based on the the book, and it's an online exam. And it's self-paced, and you can have the book open. Um, but this is also an offering to the practitioners because reading a book doesn't really mean anything. <laughs> but if you actually read, read the book and then take the exam and earn the certificate of completion, that's a professional credential. That indicates that you have a basic understanding and a level of competency in ethics and legal issues in the practice of, of energy healing methods. And so, you know, what I'm finding on, as I talk to a lot of people is that not only are they interested in practitioners' knowledge, but I get a lot of questions about, well, if I wanted to go see an energy healing practitioner, what, what should I be asking? And what should I be looking for? And what should I think is important in terms of wanting to engage their services? And so this is something that comes up. And if, let's say also in terms of, Maybe there's an integrative care center around, and all of a sudden they, they're interested in energy healing. Maybe they want to bring in a therapeutic touch practitioner. Well, they're going to ask you, are you certified? How long have you been practicing? Uh, do you have any other modalities? Have you been trained in ethics and legal issues? And if you can meet that criteria, you're more likely to get that job. But if you come to them and say, and they ask you these questions and you well, I took a weekend workshop. I've been kind of dabbling in this for a couple years. Um, no, I don't have any training in ethics and legal issues. Um, really don't know anything about that. You're not going to get that job. So it also is a way to make your, you stand out in terms of employment opportunities as the field moves forward to, to just continue to grow and become as professional as you can. And this can create not only professional credential, but also more employment opportunities for you, and you look better to your potential clients. Okay, so um, who should, okay, so let's just give the title of your book. So it's Practice, Energy, Healing, and Integrity, The Joy of Offering Your Gifts Legally and Ethically. So who would you recommend people um, get the book and do your course? Who would you say should be doing it? Everybody. Anybody who has an energy healing practice, period. And the book is on Amazon. The print book is on Amazon. It's also a Kindle version that you can get. I have the PDF version of the book on my website. And the exam is actually on my website. And you can just go to my website, midgemurphy.com, and purchase the exam. And it's all done online, as I mentioned. Um, but, yeah, this is the basic um, resource for anybody who's offering their energy healing services to the public and have a, have a has a practice. So they they uh, participate in in you know your program, get a certificate, and then and then where does that lead them? Then what? What's the next thing for them to know? I mean, the the book is teaching them about the ethics and and what they should or shouldn't be doing and how to yeah, all, set the uh -huh. practice. It also has a, a a list all the kinds of risk management strategies that they need to put into place and put into place. So, for instance, they need a legally sound client agreement and disclosure statement. They can't write that themselves. So, mm -hmm. one of the risk management strategies is to engage 
either attorney or risk management person who can draft a legally sound client agreement that's in compliance with the laws and regulations that you're subject to in the, st in the state in which you live. There's healthcare freedom laws. That's kind of a nuance in terms of what you need to do. Um, you can get liability insurance um, through the American, let's see, it's AMP, I forget the name, Energy Medicine Professional Association. So getting insurance is important. Um, so there's a lot of different, and make sure you're, you have your website that's it's audited, and you make sure you have a website disclaimer, which is the legal document that governs the relationship between you and visitors to your website. So it's like knowledge and information, but it's also a lot of practical steps that you can put into place um, to reduce your potential legal liability. Well, lots to lots to uh, to uh, understand at this point uh, in terms of putting yourself out there, mm -hmm. um, doing this professionally. What's the cost of the certificate program that you run? Uh, the exam is one hundred and fifty dollars. So that's really reasonable for people. <laughs> you know, um, many people don't have huge practices, right? They're just mm -hmm. doing doing it in a you know in a way that's convenient for them and and affordable sure. for their for their own purposes. They're not professionals in a big practice. Um, uh, I was going to ask you something else, and it just slipped my mind. So, um, oh, I know what I was going to ask. How does this apply to people who are involved with direct marketing companies and direct marketing products in the health industry? I don't know. That's not my area of expertise. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, because they have, you know, they're given websites that talk about the, the products and the, the techniques, and so they have um, replicated websites promoting things. And okay. I, I'm just wondering if people who are involved, who are listening, who are involved in some uh -huh. direct marketing uh, product, whether it's, uh, you know, nutritional products or mm -hmm. whatever, um, should also be paying attention to this. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I don't, this, as I said, it's not my area of expertise, but I think if it's a legitimate company that makes products that are directly sold, um, it's just a business model, but they're very well aware of FDA requirements with respect to supplements and things like that, what it is you can and cannot say. Um, and so I think they are, you know, they're usually very professional, sophisticated companies for the most part. If not, they get shut down. Um, and direct marketing, um, they're subject to the same rules and regulations as everybody else. So I think that those folks, um, you know, they usually have some kind of legal counsel. And I think when they're, you know, giving some templates or sales information, I would hope, to their people who are doing the direct selling, that, um, you know, they've looked it through and it's in compliance with, with the applicable laws and regulations for that activity. Um, but again, I don't know anything specific because that's not my area of expertise. Right. And, you know, I, I guess I ask because it does fall into the, for many of those companies, the, the healing, healing arts modalities, whether it's, you know, um, products or whether it's energy healing tools. Techniques, whatever. So, I, but I, mm -hmm. but your answer sounds, sounds, you know, perfectly logical. That if you're in a company, a company should already have all that established and guide their people to what to, what to say and how yeah, to I say would, it. I would hope so. I mean, I, I, there are probably some that don't. They're just wanting people to sell, and they don't really care so much about the rest of the. They probably exist out there, um, but again, I, I'm not knowledgeable about that. Um, and eventually, they, they they will get a letter and they will shut them down. 
um, at some point. Um, but yeah, and I feel badly for people that are selling things that from a company that hasn't taken the time to make sure that what they're saying and representing about their products is legally sound and and is not going to get the the person who's trying to sell the products on behalf of the company in trouble. Um, but I but I think that there are some that that do do that, and I, I and I that makes me sad for those folks that um, don't are being kind of misled about what their risks are in being a salesperson or a direct salesperson for this company. And, um, you know, and I think at some point, you know, if you're going to do that work, you have to do your due diligence and make sure you align yourself with a company that not only do you believe in the products and there's good science behind the products, but that, that they've done their, you know, their work to make sure that you're as safe as possible in marketing those, those products to the public. Absolutely. Um, do you think that people who are doing energy healing practices, um, we'll say EFT, we'll say emotion code, some of those materials I know have used myself, do you think um, people should be getting uh, insurance, liability insurance? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, we're just talking about a business. How do you structure your business in a proper way? And Liability insurance, you can't get malpractice insurance. It doesn't exist for what we do as energy healing practitioners, but it's, they usually call it a professional liability insurance for your work, and it's a good risk management tool. Now, there's a, there's a caveat here in that these kinds of insurances, insurance policies, will protect you or they'll defend you um, if you get a claim against you by a client. However, if a licensing board goes after you for violating laws and regulations or state consumer protection acts or the FTC, your, that insurance does not cover you for that particular type of, of claim. But it's a good idea. I always recommend people who are having a professional practice to have liability insurance. And a couple things you want to make sure is that, because there's, as you mentioned, Cheryl, there's so many different modalities out there. Um, that if you get insurance and you're doing something that's not part of their, you know, mainstream list, like therapeutic touch, healing touch, EFT, you know, emotion code, body code, you know, sort of the ones that we know about that have larger training organizations, then you just want to make sure that your particular modality is included in the policy. And that's just, a, you know, a question of asking a question and making sure and getting confirmation that um, that particular healing modality, which may not be that well known, um, is, is going to be covered under the policy. Okay, great, you know, great, great advice. And, you know, it's a conversation that actually doesn't happen all that often, which is why you're doing the work you're doing, right? There uh -huh. People who, who are, you know, taking some of these uh, programs or dabbling in some regard. Um, from your perspective, it's like having an overview, what do you see emerging in this field of um, energy medicine as a as a as a healing you know a, a healing force that's uh, unfolding and being available and and the growing interest that people have with energy yeah. medicine what's 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 your sense of what's happening here well i i well, i think that um what's interesting is that there's there's this shift towards more holism um, and it's it's taking root, and the, and the and people want it. It's consumer driven for the most part because you know allopathic medicine 
is Newtonian physics, and it, it's it's about fixing this and fixing that and giving someone a drug. It's not about looking at the person, mind, body, and spirit, and saying how can we restore your health and well-being. So I think that um, as we become hopefully more conscious about what is true health, that um, and there's a big interest now in integrating these methods more into the healthcare system. Um, the the future is that what I'm hoping is not a lot of licensing laws that we have to deal with, but maybe some sort of national uh, certification center um, where people can become nationally certified and as a result states will recognize that. Um, I think there is regulation coming. I think that cannot be avoided. Um, to the extent of what that might look like, um, it's, worth, it's still unknown. But, but the bottom line is there are a number of states. In, in fact, right now Massachusetts is, has a bill in their Senate and their House of Representatives that would require energy healing practitioners to be licensed. So, it, it, you know, there's rumblings and then there's actual laws that are trying to be passed as I speak. So I think it's, you know, and this has been going on since the Clinton administration. The federal government has been saying to the major stakeholders, saying, okay, you guys, we need, about, we need to figure out the credentialing issues. We need about science and making sure that what we're offering has got, you know, there's some safety and efficacy in what you're offering. And, and at some point, we need to figure out how to regulate this profession because it is, is part of the healthcare field. And so it's not like, you know, you're, you're selling widgets or you're, you know, you're doing some life coaching. You're actually offering a healthcare service. And so that kind of ups the ante in terms of it's important to protect the safety and welfare of, the, of citizens. And that's what licensing laws are all about. It's the regulatory value of why there are licensing laws for healthcare professionals is the safety and, and, and welfare of citizens. So that's the regulatory value upon which all of these licensing laws are, are kind of built upon. And so I think that's the future is there'll be some kind of regulation at some point. Oh, I can't help but be a bit skeptical, <laughs> you know. I, I just can't help but have this thought that comes in that says, yeah, it's a control thing. Yeah, who's going to do double-blind placebo studies, clinical trials on energy healing unless you have a very wealthy organization that is out there trying to make themselves, you know, more visible? Um, you know, so to me, licensing is about power and control. I don't know how much it has to do with regulating quality as well as the interest in, in, in control. And, you know, energy healing is a generic term. There's, you know, it's a generic term. It has so many different techniques that can be classified as energy healing or, or terms that could be used not to fit into the category of energy healing. I don't even know how they would ever do that, you know, make that umbrella for energy. I don't know. You have maybe a thoughts on that. Well, I think we, there is, there's there's a lot of good studies that are going on. I don't know if you know who uh, Shamini Jhan is. She's a PhD. Uh, she heads up the Conscious Healing Conscious Healing Initiative, and they've done a ton of studies on biofield therapies. So there is research that's being done, um, and you know there's ways to calibrate, you know, the fields of energy and how they can be um, measured, 
and especially, you know, the Heart Math Institute and all the work they've done with the heart coherence and what happens in the body with that. So there's actually a lot of good research that's going on. And so, um, you know, what we don't want and what the perception is, and you might say it's, well, they want to control, is the perception is it's just the wild, wild west and that anybody can do anything out there and there's, there's, there's no regulation and people are being hurt and harmed. And so, um, and I can get behind that <laughs> because I think that's, that's something that we can work towards educating the practitioners about so that there's less harm that's done and ethical violations that occur because they know better and they've been trained and educated well, about it. Uh, well, as far as providing more evidence to the scientific mind, of the reality, of the field, of energy, of the frequencies that, uh, that, that we are. You know, I, and uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza, I interviewed the, um, the doctors working with him who is doing all this testing pre and post his one week advanced training. And um, they're, they're getting incredible data now. That's that great. Right, so there's, mm-hmm. there's ongoing data that many people are being able to quantify in their yes. own way, scientifically. Mm-hmm. It's not the same scientific, necessarily has to be the same scientific model that's used by pharmaceutical companies to, you know, do their studies. But um, I, And that's exciting, right, to actually have the evidence that this work is truly profound. It is yeah. shifting what's happening physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. And I know you've been studying shamanism for, for 20 years. I've, I, I'm, I haven't studied shamanism, but I have worked with shaman. You know, they work mm-hmm. with a whole other, other field of reality, right? Sure, yeah, and, absolutely, uh, yeah. Yes, I, I, I would agree with you that, the, that the, you know, one of the most important things that we're talking about here is this growing awareness that there's another level from which we receive our health and healing. And we are, we're, we're drawn to that because that's the greater truth. As, um, mm-hmm. as many of these energy healing teachers say, like Joe Dispenza, you know, it's, 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 it's not matter to matter that really is the greatest healing modality. It's, it's spirit to matter. So yeah. source to match. We, go, we we operate on an energetic level. So yeah. I, I, I I'm excited that there are more and more people and modalities that are working to this greater truth, an ancient truth, ancient wisdom. Quantum physics is helping to get our left brain scientific. Definitely model. yes. <laughs> <laughs> and these ancient wisdoms, it's about time because the old models just aren't going to take us where we need to go anymore. Exactly. So, um, so let's, so let, you know, we're just about at the end, Mitch. Um, do you have a last, last comment, a last, <laughs> last piece of advice you want to share with my listeners before we have to sign off? Um, no, I mean, I just, this is pleasure. It was a very enlivening and fun discussion, and I just hope that um, anyone who's listening as an energy healing practitioner will take to heart that this is my path of service to make them better practitioners and to make them uh, in better service to the clients that they serve. And I really want to acknowledge you 
for that because I, you know, I really hear what you're saying. I, I just feel that um, passion and that purpose that you have for this, for, for, for this, uh, you know, uh, for this world, <laughs> this, this healing world. <laughs> you know, it's not particularly a specialty, right? It's, it's, it's yeah. a healing world that we're that we are all a part of right now. And right. you are doing your best to support it, to make it valid, viable, legitimate, support the people, look after the people who yes. are drawn to this to to this path. And um exactly. you know, and, and, and thank you for doing that, Mitch, because, you know, like you said, you're you're one of the few out there who um is, you know, drawn by this passion and uh, and you're you're making a difference. So uh, Midge's book, again, is Practice Energy, Healing, and Integrity, The Joy of Offering Your Gifts Legally and Ethically. You can go to Midge's website, which is her name, Midge Murphy, M-I-D-G-E Murphy.com. Learn more about Midge. Learn more about her program. Learn about getting certified. I, I think $150 to do your certification program is so reasonable. So thanks for making it so reasonable for people. Yeah, you, you're welcome. Yeah. And I also have some free articles on, blog articles on my website, so some people might be interested in something free, and I've got that as well. Well, thank you so much. Again, uh, appreciate all your hard work and uh, your your passion in supporting this growing community of healing artists in the world, healing, healing um, true healers, I would say into this world. So uh, all the best to you. Yes, thank you so much, and all the best to you, and I appreciate the opportunity for our discussion today. Yes, it's been uh, it's been wonderful. I've enjoyed our time together. So uh, to all of you listening, thank you for joining me for another episode of The Love Code. If you are a practitioner of some modality in the healing arts, I think this is a conversation that is really worth paying attention to. Often uh, this field uh, is, you know, attracts people who are uh, more of the rebels. <laughs> I would put myself in that category. <laughs> and sometimes we don't like to operate within the system right now. <laughs> I'm sure you come across this. But um, maybe it's time we rethink this. <laughs> so, um, so uh, again, to all of you listening, thank you for joining me here on The Love Code. Um, until next week. As I always like to say, may your week be filled with love, peace, and harmony. Bye for now.